0: Hello welcome to the Talk Diabetes Podcast, I'm Blake Fallows, this is a good one, <laughs> this is a good one, 13 year old Blake, 14 year old Blake up to about 17 would be very excited for this one, it's court hero, Gary Teal, I loved Gary Teal, I loved Gary Teal so much so this is absolutely amazing, we'll get to Gary in a minute but as ever, as we approach the end of the year, I want to give a big shout out to Connect Red telecommunications they've just opened a shop in the in the Intu center so go and check them out uh, the Vodafone shop on the ground floor thank you so much to them to SMJ Brady for their continued support amazing and to elite football development Ben Ando and the lads without them this wouldn't be a podcast so thank you so so much right then <laughs> let's get to Gary Teal So welcome on to, to Talk Dolby to me, Gary Teal. You can see I'm in my bedroom at the minute and it's a bit of a mess and that's because I spent most of this afternoon trying to find a, a football top from about 13 years ago with Teal on the bike to
1: show. No, no, it's all right, mate. I thought as if you were just living the student <laughs> lifestyle and you just did everything, don't that. You know? <laughs> How are you? How are you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm good. Um, as I said, a couple of weeks ago when we first connected, that I was in the process of trying to get out to Orlando. Um, obviously, everything that's going on, it's for everybody um, across the world. It's been a really difficult time, but kind of had life on hold with wife and kids because um, we put everything in place to probably try and travel maybe, well, March, April, um, and it's probably only materialised. Three weeks ago now, so yeah, a bit of an upheaval, we'll just try to get settled, but as I say, that's for everybody when they move house, never mind trying to move halfway around the world. What's
0: the, the purpose of the move? Is that for work-related? Have you got a job over there?
1: Yeah, yeah. <coughs> the business we have, um, Hexagol. Um, so Hexagol's like an interactive sports, well, maybe we call it interactive sports arena, so it's maybe it's about 23 metres squared, um, interactive targets that link up to the iPad or your iPad, everything iOS at the minute. Um, And basically, it's just working on technique. So the usual buzzwords uh, when you're trying to obviously coach your kids or when you're trying to obviously evolve yourself as a player um, to improve. It's about obviously scanning and peripheral vision and working on your first touch in a smaller condensed area. So uh, the idea was to bring that over to the States um, with the popularity of football, as we know it, but soccer. um, It's such a growing sport here um, in America. um, And... A few friends that have it here have probably best known like five assigned centres back home, like your goals or power league or anything like that. So they've got a few centres. So looking to try and set up an academy type structure with a pathway then to, which is obviously big in the scholarship side of things over here. So taking them from 10 year olds up to like 18 year olds and then hopefully... Very very small percentages. Everybody knows that become a professional footballer, but having that extra pathway where you can obviously get a scholarship into a good university, have a good education, and then hopefully you can still get picked up with MLS or again one of the big European clubs. So yeah, that's that's what's obviously in the pipeline over the next number of years. A friend of a friend had kind of the hexagon concept. They, they didn't have any interactive um, element to it. Um, there was a few different bits of all that I felt as if I could change. So I just kind of got involved from there. And we went, it's been a whole new learning curve from everything that we're involved with football, because you had to go and try and engage with product developers. You had to go and find, obviously, software engineers and obviously the hardware engineers to try and put their ideas together. So no, it's been interesting. It probably took longer than we thought to try and get it right, because in our head, you think, oh, it's very simplistic. It's just, the ball the ball hits a target, it registers onto your phone. With the technology we've got, then it should be pretty easy. But unfortunately, when kind of electronics are involved and you've got a ball and somebody's hitting it at anything between 50 to 70 miles an hour, so it needs to make sure it was obviously durable. It could take that impact on a constant basis. And then the sensors obviously weren't getting damaged. So... Yeah, it's been interesting, um, but probably getting to the stage maybe over the last, (laughs) up to the last year or so, we were then beginning to get a wee bit of traction in it. But unfortunately, due to COVID, it's kind of wiped out that whole side of the business for us. So to kind of adapt, um, hopefully try and ride this out, and then hopefully get into 2021 for everybody, not my just stars, but for everybody across the world, hopefully then we start to see a bit of positivity. I think in terms of the sport in terms of because of its popularity now, I think with MLS, they say year on year, I think the growth of that, is obviously getting massive. But the fact is they watch so much European football and obviously the usual, obviously the bigger clubs in the English Premier League and the German League, uh, Spanish League. So they say that this, there's so much now say, in terms of what you can consume in terms of how much football you watch. So, the kids have always got something, obviously, to try and aspire to. And the fact that MLS is getting bigger. But I think the biggest thing is because of the contact nature of a lot of the well, NFL. And I think most parents now, because obviously of the concussion rates and things, then they think, well, soccer probably looked upon as a more safer sport to try and engage with. And a lot of the time, back then, it was the mums and dads played soccer. Um but there probably wasn't kind of a pathway to go. So now like they've tried to channel their kids into probably what their first sport was. Um mm-hmm. so I think now in terms of participation numbers, it's the highest out of all the sports in America. Don't quote me on that. I've just I've heard that. I've not done I've not done my research into it myself. So I, I, I read it somewhere, but I think now it's the biggest participating sport in the state. So that almost, obviously only bodes well as well. Yeah. You'll
0: you'll quickly learn, Gary. There's not much research going to goes into this podcast, so don't worry at all.
1: <laughs> oh, that's that then. That's that's fine. As, as you say, as as long as we can obviously maybe I don't know, <laughs> provoke provoke discussion. As if well, where did you get the information from? Then that's good enough for us. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> sports and sports and especially youngsters playing sport. It's got a different dynamic in America, hasn't it? Because it can basically fund your education for you, can't it? it, it yeah. As opposed to the academy here. If you're if you yeah. get to a certain level. So, is that an yeah. important for it? It,
1: it, it was pr- pr- probably something that, see, as much as the kind of lifestyle change, um, see, I was always fortunate enough that I could come here on holiday, um, even when I met my, my wife and way back when we were like, 18, 19. Our first holiday was we came here. So, so, we did, which was great. So, it was obviously kind of sowing the seed since then. I now have two daughters, and um, we've continued that probably near enough They're near fourteen and eleven, and I think near enough maybe the exception of one or two years, I think we brought them out here um, in the school holidays. So it was like a home from home. So it was always kind of an itch that what both of us wanted to do in terms of move out here. Um, but you see, you had to, the kids had to be on board as well. So we kind of let it go up till probably maybe two years ago, and then we started planting that seed again. And rather than thinking, oh, mum and dad took us to the other side of the world away from our friends' then slowly but surely they came around themselves wanting to think, right, we'll make that move. So that was in terms of our personal why we've done it. But again, looking out here and having that pathway, I think it's so important, you see, every every boy and certainly girls out here and certainly back home now, if they dream of being a professional footballer, which is very, very difficult, is again, don't quote me on my research, but I think statistically so. <laughs> Bigger brains than us have actually said, I think this is at 0.001% of something that actually ever make it to be a professional footballer. Whereas I think so much emphasis is taken on actually being a professional footballer, then the education side of things probably gets neglected a wee bit. Certainly, and again, in my opinion, it's not as different. in my opinion, I think the clubs don't show enough duty of care when they take kids in, even, well, I think even nowadays they're taking them in at six years of age, never mind obviously waiting till obviously get into teens. And they can all be in that system all the way up to like are 18 years of age or so. And then, or maybe even sometimes it's even later, even into the early 20s. And then they're kind of saying, well, unfortunately for you, we have to obviously move you on. It's not going to quite work out for you here. So, a few, then obviously depending on obviously character, they'll maybe take that on board and then they'll maybe filter, they'll maybe Fortunately, we might be going to another, and this is obviously at the top level, and then the other ones might filter down and then obviously end up having a decent career through, um, maybe, I'll just use obviously England, the Championship League One, League Two, um, as a as another obviously protocol where they can actually go and have a decent career. But see, I think the majority of ones probably then get left behind. And then if you're talking maybe say 18 or so, or the early 20s, you're then probably playing catch up to peers who at the 16 decided to leave school because they wanted to go into an apprenticeship mm-hmm. or at 18 decided to then obviously stay on the next couple of years at school then go to university to do their four-year degree and then obviously come out the back end of that with an education so all of these players that are probably kind of staying in football and I'm not saying it's obviously generalizing it for everybody but they're then playing catch-up to try and obviously then get into the, work, the general population of working or they need to go back and then do another a college degree or obviously if to a going to university to do a degree. So, they're in, and I'm not saying there's not a time frame on this because anybody can learn at any age. You can be in your 50s, 60s and decide you want to go and do something else. But I think certainly in obviously your more developmental years, when you're younger, if you've got something to kind of fall back on, then it's not the be all and end all. If you are actually getting released from a club, you have got something else. And you're not thinking, oh, where do I go from here?
0: Do you think England, the English game, could learn? Because again, I've, I've done podcasts before with you know, certain young players. It's affected their mental health in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, it, all they them is football, football, football. Yeah. Um, England, the English game, and the Scottish game could maybe learn from from America in in that to, if in terms of setting them up better for a life outside of football. I
1: think I think there's got to be a, and I think it is getting better. I think there's got to be like that hybrid model as. A, well, if you take the Premier League clubs, for instance, um, and I say I'm not privy to what we do in terms of the raising, but you would think they would have the means to actually have the academy where they're actually educating the kids, like basically in their daily schooling, giving them something else to fall back on, where they're not thinking as if it is football, football, football all the time, so they're actually coming out at the end of it. And maybe maybe there is. See, I'm just kind of generalising from say my own opinion or my own experiences, and obviously I've been away from the game um, in terms of being involved in the game for, what, five, six years now. So maybe these practices are in place. I don't think so, but say, but maybe I'm wrong, uh, where they can have obviously that side-by-side education and try and obviously push the kids to learn. And let's be honest, if you are educating in other things, then it can only surely benefit in terms of obviously what information they take on as a footballer as well.
0: Take us back then to, to you first getting involved in the game. Can you remember your, your first memories and then getting into academy football?
1: Uh, well, again, that's the funny thing about it. There was never any, there was no academy football back when we started. You basically just played your boys club football. So you played wow. your school team, you played your boys club team. Don't get me wrong, obviously the clubs had the, the feeder clubs, so you had, say, like your Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, have You always had boys' club football. So you were always there, but you would go and you would trade maybe like once or two a week. But, you see, obviously, they then got a... Uh, they get labelled then, obviously, as the years went on, to be in academy football. So, you see, my, my path was... I just basically played boys' club football um, for my local teams. Um, I think I started off with... Um, it was a local club, it was um, Summerston's, Summerston Boys Club um, Press. That was kind of the earlier formative years. And then from about, I think, maybe 10 or 12, went to play for a team called Hillington Boys Club. Uh, my dad actually probably helped out, and that was probably one of the reasons uh, I went along and played for them. And then from there, I ended up going to Clybank, who were my kind of first professional club. But again, that was just obviously playing for their boys club. And then I was fortunate enough at 16, where they asked me to sign It was a, a schoolboy form. And from basically that year at 16, and even up to this point, it, it wasn't as as I, I never ever thought as if, oh, I thought, you think you want to be a footballer, but it was never something I thought as if that was going to be my job. And then at 16, I thought, it, when I signed the, the schoolboy form, I spoke to my mum and dad, signed the schoolboy form, just thinking, but never in a years thinking as if that's the path that you're going to take. And then from sixteen, I actually made my debut um, against Motherwell and the League Cup, and then just probably from then, probably actually you thought, no, this is maybe something you can do, and ended up signing like a YTS, which was it, schoolboy YTS form. So you do, know, you kind of meant to. Be, and again, this is even from your back, and you're talking maybe what we're we talking twenty six years ago now, and it was a YTS where you were meant to do the education side. I think as long as alongside being a professional footballer but again it was like a token gesture thing where you'd done one day a week and it was just an absolute shambles you were <laughs> you were learning nothing and it was a good environment but you when you think back it was not a learning environment to try and prepare you for a situation where you might not become a footballer um, so so that was my path in terms of coming into being a professional footballer um which was great uh, and the club was fantastic and they given you the opportunity at 16 to go and play uh, obviously first team football and reserve team football which by all accounts I think they're looking to try and bring back to an extent where obviously the younger players are then playing against more experienced players rather than playing against obviously academy players week in, week out or up to under 23s or so Um, so they're all kind of the same age I think it was Dan uh, Ashworth I think at Bryan, I think they were looking and had an article I think I read yesterday where they're looking to obviously try and interspersed that with a few experienced players um, which is great but say, we've all been there as experienced players when you're not being in the first team and you get down to playing the reserves or you're playing there. and it depends It depends on your attitude in terms of how much you want to actually go down there and give the best that you can to try and help the young ones come through or do you go down there with the attitude as if you kind of sack it off not interested in the game. Thing think you obviously just thought about Billy like Big Time or whatever because you don't want to be there because you think you should be playing in the first team. So there is a balance between obviously what characters and of players and personalities that you can put down to play with the young ones to try and bring them on rather than thinking, i showing them a, probably a few bad habits. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, well, at the end of the day, everybody wants to play first-team football, so your ego does obviously take a wee bit of a dent, but it depends obviously who you are, as if they think, well, I just need to go on with it and try and show that I should be back playing in the first team.
0: Do you think the the change in the YTS, uh, we've had some brilliant YTS tales from, from different uh, people that have been on, and, and then reserve team football. I know Nigel Clough was a big fan of first team uh, reserve team football and and yeah. taking Seriously, and dropping them down. Do you think that takes something away from the game now with the youngsters coming through that they don't go and play reserve football and play against experienced pros?
1: I think so. I think, in terms of a learning experience, it brings you on so much quicker because these guys have been obviously where you are started and then they've walked their way through the years. They have that experience of playing with older players. So, they're obviously, their game management. Um, the the mouse is obviously for that experience for certain situations that happen in games, which we all know happens. So, if you're coming up against that and you're exposing yourself to obviously that environment from a younger age, realizing obviously what it takes, then for me that can only bring you on as a player. If you're playing against these older guys, whereas if you're playing against obviously guys of the same age or younger, week in week out, then it's you kind of for for me you plateau. And I'm not saying this is for everyone, because the better players that stand out at different age groups, then the majority of the time they kind of get pushed on and then they'll end up getting pushed on to the, the higher age group. Or, say, if you're getting probably from, what, 16, 17, 18 now, if you are good enough, you'll end up probably being in that first-team environment. But that, again, is few and far between in terms of how many players actually do that at that age. So if you kind of expose other ones to it earlier with a reserve league, rather than obviously the pressures of the manager and the first team, where let's be all honest, everybody has a great idea of bringing youth team players through. But how often is the manager getting a position where they think, yeah, we can blend youngsters into the team at the detriment of results? Because the crowd, the fans, everybody wants to see results on a Saturday. They're not really... It's great because everybody loves it when a youth player comes through, he supports the club, he's come all the way through, he plays in the first team and then he's a first team regular. Everybody loves that as a story. But unfortunately, it is very few and far between. So if the manager tries to blood these youngsters... And the results don't go. <laughs> go. Then the first thing he's out a job. So there is such a. It's, it's. It's not a black and white situation. There's so many gray areas in terms of obviously football coaching and bringing players through. When to bring them through? And when not to bring them through? So, for me, if you do have that in between where you've got okay, old school or reserve football, then it, for me, it's definitely a great platform, obviously for bringing the youngsters through before you maybe get to the first team level.
0: Mm. From from Clyde onto Clydebank onto uh, Air was that that's that quite a, was that a big move at the time? So I mean, he went on to play quite a few games at Air. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Because at that time, let's um, say you're going back, what, we're back now, it was ninety six. So you talking about twenty six years or something now um, in terms of like that, and the worst. A reasonable amount of money still involved in the Scottish game, because I think, and they say this is good, playbank Bank, for instance, are not even obviously in existence now, they've obviously dropped out the senior ranks, I think now they're trying to get back it to you, but I think I went for just short of a like £100,000, which was obviously back then, and this, mm-hmm. this wasn't even what like the Premier League, this was in obviously, let's say, the Championship, for, for instance, which is, say, it's unheard of, so... It was a big move um, for me at that time, considering the only was, what, 19 or so um, at that. So for me, you don't think about it probably at that age. You just think, oh, if we're moving to another club and you go and play, you're still reasonably local. Don't need to move house or anything. It was slightly a bit more travelling down to here because I stayed in Glasgow. Um, but no, again, it was it was fantastic to go down because, again, by showing that ambition, to bring in a young player and taking obviously the chance on me, which obviously is very grateful for. But the chairman at the time, Bill Barr, the manager, um, Gordon Dial, he had the ambition, certainly obviously with the chairman's money. His ambition was to get to the Premier League and we had a reasonable squad and he was spending a bit of money there. But they say it doesn't always materialise the fact we never quite managed to get to, we had good cup runs and um, beaten a lot of Premier League teams along the way but we never really materialised to actually get to the Premier League at the time, which, you see, it's not a regret because obviously you gave everything you could give, but you see, I would have loved at that time because as much as what Bill Barlow, the chairman at the time, how much he actually put into the club in the area to try and do that, then that would have been a fantastic achievement.
0: Having made your name in, in, in Scotland and played um, for Air and whatnot, as soon as an English club comes comes knocking in, in Wigan, is is it is it always an attractive prospect to come and play in English football? Is that a different challenge for a a young Scottish footballer?
1: Yeah, that was always, again, you watch football as a kid and it was always like match of the day. Match of the day was obviously your staple was a a young kid that loved football. You loved to obviously see the big stars on the television on a Saturday night. So that was when you realised the the dream, you were actually living the dream of becoming a a professional footballer and the older you got, the more realisation you kicked in. That was then the ambition. Or my ambition was always to be it was strange because obviously you've got Rangers and Celtic, um, and which are so dominant in Scotland, but kind of as a worldwide um phenomenon, both of them are obviously well known. But and see, I was a Rangers fan with like, growing up, mm-hmm. and but for whatever reason, they I it was a lovely, I played for Rangers. But my ambition at that time was always to try and play down south, go down to the English football, and they say when the opportunity arose with. There was a couple of opportunities before Wigan, uh, but when obviously the concrete interest, and obviously they put up the money to come and obviously buy me from here, then the, the, the realisation for that when it happened, and again, like the ambition in terms of where the club were, cause the club were in League One at that time, but with Paul Jewell, how he was, it, and again, a bit like Bill Barrett at United, having Dave Whelan as the chairman, who obviously put his own leg, his own neck in the line when he said when he when bought the club that we will be in the Premier League within that ten-year frame. So everything kind of appealed to me to say as if well, Liggins like obviously a massively progressive club like to try and obviously improve year on year. Is it, it? This is
0: quite. I don't know how to word this, but Scottish, Scottish football in England's always got a lot of reputation of not being as a good a standard as as damage. Do you do you notice a step up in and in a difference in the standard from playing in Scotland, or is it fairly similar?
1: I, I think obviously the standard is, but I think probably more prevalent for me was the physicality. Every, a lot of the players when I first when I first came down, a lot, everybody just seemed bigger and stronger. Um, and that was the say at like League One uh, at the time when it was just, That was a bit of an eye opener. But I think it's been proven, and it is, a bit, it is a better standard. But I think the better standard is because the talent pool, obviously, of England is a lot bigger than Scotland. The, the finances, again, are a lot bigger than, obviously, what they are in Scotland. But in terms of, if you would take... Well, for instance, a lot of the players have actually went up from England um, to the Scottish League, it predominantly, obviously, play for Rangers and Celtic, where the pressures are a hell of a lot different because every team basically when they play Rangers and Celtic that's looked upon as a cup final because they want to obviously try and prove themselves. and they see a lot of players that have actually went up they've struggled because they've not been able to obviously cope in that environment whether it's Rangers and Celtic or whether they've just underestimated the fact is the Scottish game is maybe 100 miles an hour but what one thing you do get is that commitment the commitment's there obviously week in week out no matter obviously what team you're playing against so First, you have to obviously combat that and they say maybe a few of the players that came up from England thinking it was going to be easier what it is and that's maybe been the downside but there's no there's no taking away they say the standard is obviously better um, in England uh, Premier, outwith the Premier League but I say if you take Rangers and Celtic for instance and they were to position themselves an English Premier League. I'm not saying right away, but probably within maybe three to five years. Just given the pulling power, the fact is, they say the two of them are massive clubs um, throughout the world. Then they would hold their own, and then so with that, then be looked as if obviously Scottish football and English football. Then I don't know, but yeah, there is there is a difference. Um, there's no taking away from there is. I think it's more competitive because the teams are a lot closer um, down south.
0: Did you ever have the opportunity or did you ever get close to have the chance to go to Rangers or Celtic?
1: Um, when I was younger, um, I trained when I was at Clyde Bank. Then The club went from a full-time club to a part-time club. So for me, I was kind of the only player throughout the whole place and I was only 18 at last. I think, 17, 18. Wigan kept on basically as a full-time, even though we started on the YTS scheme at the time. So I needed somewhere to train. So I actually went to train with Rangers on a daily basis and trained with the first team there. So I think that was maybe like the closest I got. Nothing, obviously, materialised from it. Um, but I think that was like the closest I kind of got to maybe that opportunity happening for me.
0: So going to Wigan, you joined right at the start of the, their incredible journey of going, going up to yeah. him, uh, alongside um, Jimmy Bullard, who... Um, I've sent you the video of his question to you. What was, yeah. him, what was, what was he like? I can, well, from stories I've heard from other people on other podcasts and stuff, he just seems like an absolute nutter. Tearley, you old mucker, Jimmy Bullard. Listen, I know you're talking to Blake. Um, he's going to be showing you this message. Um, Blake, what shall I ask you to ask Tearley? I'm going to ask you to ask Tierly about the goal I scored at Leeds when I chipped it in and you put a bet on it for 1,500 quid. Do you remember that? And you said, you ain't got the bottle to chip it. Costa bully's got the bottle to chip it. Anyway, Tierly, I miss you. And then, um, Blake, don't you think he looks a bit like Steptoe?
1: Yeah. I see, Jeremy, as a character, he's fantastic because he, he is full of life. He is like the Duracell bunny. He just keeps going and going and going. Sometimes they think, right, Jimmy, that's enough. But that, that's enough is not words that come into Jimmy Boulard's vocabulary. <laughs> he's just, he's it's, it's fantastic. And I think I said to you he it is a bit like Peter Pan. He's like the boy who never grew up. And even when you see him on the television, the now and the success that he's having, obviously, on Sky uh, and these obviously other um, shows that he's doing then he's that that personality always shines through and it doesn't surprise you obviously that's that's what he is doing because he was just non-stop non-stop off the pitch but obviously on the pitch with that energy and that drive and everything he got then he was a massive asset to the team at that time as well Can you remember the penalty against Leeds? Uh, (laughs) To be honest with you I had no idea what he was talking about (laughs) But then but then, when you obviously, that's just your first initial reaction. You're like, what is he doing? But then when you obviously start to try and recall it back, because it was a long, long time ago, then, yeah. See, I still don't know exactly terms of to put the money on it, but yeah, I can remember obviously when I haven't done that. So, yeah. Amazing. And, uh, and, and I don't think you look
0: like Stipto. No, I
1: don't. That was just a, bit of a I, To be fair to Jeremy, he's, he's improved age as well. <laughs>
0: You look quite similar now. You're getting the long hair going a little bit so. as nah, well. I know,
1: I know. I think it's because it's starting to thin out and I think the older you get, you try and keep on to it as long as you can because <laughs> you're scared if you cut it, it doesn't grow back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that
0: Wigan side that, that did so well and, and, and delivered on what Dave Whelan had promised, what was it about, about that side? Was there something special about it to get them two promotions into the Premier League?
1: I think, if I'm I, I think probably the manager I think Paul Jewell played a massive part in that because he just demanded nothing in terms of, say, tactical or say, coming up with fancy formations where this is the way you want to play. I think his hunger and desire and what he expected in terms of hard work, everybody to do their jobs, obviously they were set out of the team. But the way he actually put the team together, the way he constructed the team or built the team from where it was in League One. And again, like, but the pressures, obviously, of having a, benefic- a benefactor sorry, like Dave Whelan is fantastic. But see, that comes with, with its own pressures because even though you've got the money there, you have to go and spend it wisely and you have to build a team what you think you would like to see, obviously, playing. So... See, I think for me, the credit goes a lot to the manager because he kind of put together a few experienced players, like obviously your John Fyland, your Matt Jacksons, um, Ariane uh, like Jason DeVos. They were probably kind of your core experience. But out with that, we were all kind of early 20s. The majority of players that he brought in were kind of young, hungry, energetic, could probably run all day, in terms of, and that was a big factor in terms of how we played. We would kind of be the fittest team in the league, so we could kind of keep going, sleeping over teams that way. And I say, for me, the big thing would probably be Paul Joe in terms of how he put that team together and his drive and the vision that he had and how he wanted us to play, basically.
0: Coming to, to Derby then for the first time in January 2007, was obviously already there or thereabouts, and I think Billy Davis added a few in, in that January just to try and Strengthening and getting over, get us over the line. Yeah. Can you remember first how, how the deal first came about and how you first ended up coming to Derby?
1: Um, first came about was I think I had a, I was going to play. We were flying to play Portsmouth with Wigan, um, mm. uh, and I think that was the first time I had a phone call from an agent saying, "As if, would you be interested in going to Derby?" I think they're obviously going to speak to Wigan. Um, what would your thoughts be on that? Um, I think that was maybe in uh, late November, early December. Um, and then obviously, uh, aside for Derby in the, the January um, of 2007. So, yeah, late 2006 would have been the earliest um, that I heard of it. What
0: was it that attracted you? Obviously, Billy Davis at the time, uh, an uh, enigmatic manager. He's a, he's a, yeah. I've, had, I've had a few uh, deals <laughs> with him. He's, he, I, I love him to bits. I know he's a yeah. more like, I think he's brilliant. But was he, was he an attraction to, to come and play for him?
1: It was, because when you see his teams at Preston and the way that they played then, the fact that he was Scottish. Another fact was I felt I'd been at Wigan for, that was coming up, about seven years. And maybe thought to myself, I I know Wigan were obviously the Premier League at that time. Derby, obviously the Championship, but flying high. Uh, I know, disrespect to Wigan, um, but in terms of the club and the historically who they are everything they had about them then I just felt it was an opportunity for me to go and obviously try and push on um, at that time and try and obviously see where the next stage of my career took me so yeah so all that probably got rolled down to one with Billy being the manager Scottish manager and the fact Derby is a club and the prestige it held um, that's obviously why I fancied obviously coming
0: What were your first impressions when you first arrived at Moor Farm and in and around the club at the time?
1: Uh, can, and again when, from being at Wigan who over the years obviously a tuning ground and everything got better uh, up to like, obviously, when time I left it was like night and day to when obviously I arrived and that was only the course of what just short of six years or so um, to arrive at Moor Farm when you drive up to the gates and see what obviously the facilities that they are there you're, you're just you're kind of blown away you not there's not it's not as if you're taken aback by it because through the years when you're travelling and you've got your away games a lot of the time we would leave on a Friday morning and we would drive to wherever we were playing but we would train at a training ground so you trained at a few of the Premier League Cubs training grounds at that time and seen what they are like but even at that, Derby's training ground at Moor Farm was just something else to think you were driving in there every day and the facilities that you had to go and train, then it was amazing
0: you got into the team quite quickly. I think your debut—I I always do these from memory—and I and and sometimes I get it wrong. But I think your debut was the one 0 win against Sheffield Wednesday when Dave Jones scored the late free kick in the January 2007.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, just that the atmosphere and Pride Park, as it obviously was then. And it was—it was, it was just—it was electric at that time because obviously the team were doing well. You were near enough playing. Was it twenty eight thousand or so? Um, and get obviously, Jonah scored on scored the free kick for that. So yeah, it was a it was a fantastic debut to have um, to win it at that time, and you just felt well, hopefully it was going to go on. And for one reason or another, your career at Derby did so many highs, so many lows. But they say it was still a fantastic time
0: to play to feature. Obviously, Derby were there, their bouncing, just missed out finishing third. And then, um, obviously, the, the going through the playoffs and not being involved at Wembley. Was that? Yeah. Was that hurtful at the time? Oh,
1: massively. And that's probably one of the. And, 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 you kind of when you're the coach, you imagine, and you always think, you realise then there's that nothing's ever looked personal. But at that time, and it was, but to not be involved in what like the squad. Um, and don't get me wrong, you've kind of been in and out the side leading up to it, but you still thought it was you're in this squad. And I always felt, no matter what, I was the type of player that, and again, it's always labelled at wingers and how you play because you go know from you can be a ten out of ten, a nine out of ten, and then you can be like a four out of ten. So and it's just, and I've had that like my whole career. I've really went. Um, people either think you're great and then obviously they say has he ever played football before and different things and it's just that's, that's, that's the way it is as a winger and they say it's just it's always been there every kind of person you speak to like kind of that position and the way they've done it it's always been the same if teams are flying high and the confidence is there and they are getting on the ball wingers are the best things to slice bread but when the team starts to obviously hit a dip the form goes whether it be yourself or whether it was the team as a whole, usually the first people are out the team as the wingers, and you end up with a, a, a compact four midfield. So yeah. that's just the way it's been. But no, that's probably uh, my whole career that not to be involved in the the, the, the playoff final. Um, yeah, it was it was very tough to take. But see, so you just need to pick yourself up um, and go again. And you see, that's what you have to do.
0: Did the manager speak to you about it, or was it just you're just not in the squad?
1: Uh, no, nothing actually at all. Um, just kind of read out the, the squad, um, obviously the team, and then what like the subs. I think they'd actually done the team prior and then they hadn't named the subs. Again, this was only within maybe a few hours or whatever. They said like they'd done the team first but then kind of left the subs to a wee bit later on before we'd kind of left to go to the game that day. And then it was just a case of, yeah, you named them and you weren't in it. And say it was, it was very tough to take.
0: I talked about tough to take. The next season's probably one that um, <laughs> you don't want to reflect on. Can you no. can you kind of sum that season up? What what happened and what what kind of went wrong?
1: I'm not saying that, but I think right from like the playoff final, there was obviously the contract situation with Billy. Was he staying? Was he not staying? And was he going to have money to spend? Was he going to be less? And I think that would to be to be a new club getting promoted. Obviously, having conversations like that, I'm, I'm not saying this, and again, this is just like my opinion, then it probably didn't bode well <laughs> for the season um, that we had. Um, because I don't know, well, it obviously materialized that way because obviously Billy didn't really last that long um, in that season, but there was obviously issues between the board at the time and Billy himself as a manager rather than just coming out and backing 100%. This, that, and the other. There, there was obviously issues that had to be rectified between them, and they say well, the proof is in the pudding because he got sacked. But I'm not saying that, but it was not saying as if that was his fault. But there was obviously a relationship breakdown somewhere. The fact that he went so quickly into that season as well, considering what he had done to get the club and whether the club was ready in terms of the squad that we had, because we had a huge, huge squad because of his players coming in, because of the the previous manager to belly, and so when new managers come in all the time it's just a recipe for disaster because they want to have their new players the next manager wants to have their new players so you end up with a with squad that's I think they're bordering on like know 30 players or so and they say that's they say that's never ever going to work um, for me anyway and I don't think it ever works until the manager gets the squad that he wants and the other players and I'm not saying because again it's football it's personalities it's egos and whatever else I mean you're not playing not saying as if you're you're not exactly full of full of joy and they you're coming out to your work every day as I thought and it should be because you're a football and you still get paid for it, but at the end of the day we're all human and you want to be playing. If you're not cute if you're not playing then you're disappointed and maybe you, you float a bit your heads down and whatever else or we comments here there to other players and different things. So um, that's a in my opinion that didn't help um in terms of the whole transition of that season really. Having
0: played with him uh, under him, sorry at um, at Wigan when Paul Joe came in in the November, was that a positive f- for you? At the yeah, time? it was.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, because th- if you know what you're getting for me in terms of what it was, but again, I think he probably just fell into that category of just trying to pull everything together in such a short space of time, having so many players, having to find out... <laughs> obviously what worked for him, what didn't work for him, um, and unfortunately we just didn't have time and we just didn't have didn't get a, a good enough run of consistency. I see a lot of the games, and I say it sounds like silly, a lot of the games obviously you did get a bit of a scene too, but a lot of the games they were reasonably close, and I wouldn't say as if we get outplayed in a lot of the games, but when you're down there you just get no luck whatsoever and it would majority of the goals, so you have been in the game, and then it would come from a mistake somewhere, not as if a lot of the time, as if teams are outplaying you, and they've scored a goal, for a wonderful team goal, or they've scored a the world day, where they've hit one from 25 yards, so nine times out of ten, it would come from our own doing, a mistake from somewhere along the lines, and that just demoralises everybody, and trying to obviously motivate, and keep everybody going, and see, the longer it goes, the worse it gets, so so yeah, it was just a, a disaster this season, it uh, See everybody associated with it, and you just you hope when you see I don't wish this ever, but when you're seeing like Sheffield United but like down there on one point just now, you're thinking just go the whole season and get ten points. <laughs> and you, you don't you don't you don't mean that exactly. As as that might happen, but I say when I be stuff like that, you don't want to be known as obviously a team with done with the least number of points. But I think Sheffield United obviously have got the quality where they obviously get more points than that. So, But it's, it's there, it's in the history books, you just have to deal with it.
0: Yeah, and coming coming down and and Nigel Clough coming in, uh, again, of the, uh, we've probably had 20, 25 players that played under Clough on the podcast. and
1: Yeah.
0: It used to be 50-50. I think it's, it's a bit more Clough favoured now, but he seems another divisive character that if you're maybe not the right personality or they're not maybe his kind of player that he can rub people up the wrong way slightly of his methods how,
1: how did you get on with him was you a Clough fan yeah I, I loved him I thought yeah. they were fantastic um, <laughs> for me you always want to try and what's simple I just love to get if I could have played and played kind of wide um, chalk on your boots basically because you're obviously hugging the touchline getting the ball trying to beat the defender if you beat him great then you get a cross in you get a shot and whatever else and for me that's all he ever wanted me to do when he came out to the club and I think because, again, I'd been out of the team, obviously getting a bit of stick from certain sections of the fans, then he'd obviously kind of formed a, opinions, just through the obviously third party before he, before he became the manager. Um, but as he's came in, obviously everybody's got a clean slate, and they say you just knuckle down, get your head. I think I'm as honest as the days long. I don't, I don't think any manager or anybody I've ever played with would ever have a bad word to say me in terms of attitude or professionalism. So he just came in just basically simplified it in terms of what he wanted me to do. Get the touchline, get balls in the box, beat defence. If you beat them, then great. If you don't, don't get your head down. Just we'll keep time feed you the ball and go again. And for me, I say that was it was kind of a bit of a revival uh, in terms of obviously myself and obviously then building a relationship. But back with the fans where they could see also what you were trying to do. And I say, I would... I say, uh, Anybody ever asked me anything about obviously Nigel Cuff as a manager um, and even as a person because I think again he was quite straight and honest. I don't think he suffered fools gladly, and he just basically try to simplify it. his methods again because everybody thinks as a well, it's football you need to do this for like that. For me, his methods were you just come in, train the way you wanted to play, and basically hopefully that takes you into a Saturday um, in terms of performances and things. So see that for me, it was it was fantastic.
0: Does the stick? Bother you, or is it something you just have to take on board as a footballer? Because I can kind of remember, I think it was Plymouth away when you scored if you scored for about 30 yards, I think we won three, yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was a, the start of a really good run for you. And I remember, yeah. it. um, but before that, there was a little bit of stick. Does the
1: stick, yeah, 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 um, oh, of course it does. Um, I, th- I think I've always been a character, just not let it kind of bother you, but because at the end of the day you still need to go out there and play if the manager's picking you because he's obviously seeing you every day at training he thinks you're obviously bringing something to the team so he's putting you in the team because he thinks you're better than other players that are there or other players that find fans might want to see in the team or whatever else so in the, you're just you are just getting on with your job and that's what you have to do and Everybody's entitled to their opinion, let's be honest, because if you pay your money, you come to the game or you don't come to the game. Football's the most fickle game in the world because you go from fan and it's not even week to week now, it's like day to day because there's so there's so many games that opinions change of different things. So for me, I say I'm mentally strong in terms of that, but if anybody says when you not get when you're getting stuck for the crowd and they say it doesn't affect you, of course it does, because you're not playing with that freedom. You're probably more conscious in your worries are why well, can't I take my first touch yet or myself? Will you try and take the full-back on because if you lose the ball, then there's a chance obviously you're going to get stuck for losing the ball. like that. So it does affect you, but maybe subconsciously rather than obviously consciously. So I'm never a believer, though, when fans give anybody stick, I don't see what the benefit is. I know, obviously, they're venting frustrations, and everybody—we're all human beings—and a person, has, and you have to vent your frustration because it makes you feel better. As if yeah. if you're venting your frustrations on somebody else, then they maybe make you feel better. But there is no positive aspect in terms of having a go at somebody. Yeah. You say you might get a reaction, but nine times out of ten, the reaction is probably anger. It works that like people want to bite back, and then it becomes like aggression and stuff like that. But in terms of if you support and you encourage, certainly in football or in sport or in, in any in any kind of life, if you get that support and encouragement, then you're going to play a lot better than when somebody's obviously on your back. You see, if you can get that reaction when somebody's on your back is if stick stick your two fingers up to them and say, well, see, I'm proving you wrong. But at the end of the day, I think if it's more positive and more support, then the chances are the individual or the team are going to flourish a lot more than necessarily when you're getting stuck. From
0: that amazing, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember eleven assists in in about four or five weeks in, in one. Yeah. Um, was Clough and, and his backroom staff pivotal in, in that and building you and telling yeah, you yeah. and just go you go and do what you got to yeah. do, team kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, massively, and it was probably when I was at Wigan at the same time with Paul Joe in a way that again he said the same thing. Um, when I came went down, you maybe tried to as soon as I first came to Wings, I've maybe tried to too many touches on the ball, trying to do something clever, where you have got like a step over, whereas he would say, just play to your stand. He says, your pace, he says no matter who you're playing against, he says, if you just knock the ball by that defender, nine times out of ten whoever you're playing against, he says, they won't be able to live with you. So he kind of like simplified it in terms of that way. And then if it was, because if they were worried about your pace, then they would maybe start to obviously stand off here a wee bit, and then you could come inside and play one-twos and then do a wee bit there. Um, And again, Nigel Clough and I think Gary Crosby, I think because of the fact he was a winger um, as well, basically, again, just said, don't complicate anything. Try and get the ball to you as much as you can. Try and get you to it early as well. So obviously when you're getting the ball, because that used to be a massive look, but with Jimmy probably, more so than anybody, was a massive bugbear And the fact that he would get the ball He'd look at you. He'd look at you, he'd look at you and see if there's anything else. Nothing's happening. And then he would give you the ball. But by this time, any space that you had condensed itself. So then you get the ball, you give it away, and then you get the stick. <laughs> <laughs> so that they, they basically, again, just simplified it. Get yourself on the touchline. We'll try and get the ball to you. Get 1v1, via the defender. That was always the... the kind of the theme is uh, can you get 1v1 via defender and then it's up to you say the ball I placed then your core can you go by that defender and get balls into the box or can you come in and obviously have a shot and try and be a a positive impact every time you get the ball and say that's what you constantly just uh, drove into me all the time so say they were fantastic
0: the game that sprung to my mind when you was on about that was the uh, the game, the famous one at Forest when we were two 0 no down and and you got a couple yeah. of assists <laughs> that night. we just yeah. all into the box and that's my yeah. favourite night as a Derby fan. So, oh, thank you for that. Yeah, a
1: start. <laughs> yeah. No, in terms of like that as well because obviously the rivalry over the years and continuously over the years with Forest to go to the game like that. Obviously, and then you find yourself two 0 no down. You're just thinking, what, what, where is this going? So the character, obviously, you show, especially being um, at the city ground when you're away from home, it's so much more sweeter than it is when you're actually at home. I think when you do it, obviously, at the, the away ground. So yeah, to come back and obviously get that victory that night, yeah, it's probably up there in terms of most memorable times for me as well.
0: How do you sum up your time at Derby when you when you look back? Is it are they happy memories?
1: Uh, no, I would probably say mixed um, because, and again, it's, it's all like personally, saying, elated as the club obviously to get promoted in the first place, disappointed with the fact that you weren't involved, so you didn't even feel, even, even though it's a season, so you have a contribution of the many games you played in the season, but the fact that you're not involved kind of in that game then you're kind of disappointed. So you didn't feel as if the election or you did because you got promoted, but deep down you didn't really because you didn't feel a part of it. And again, that's just me personally in terms of obviously Camp TR, and then obviously the disappointment for like that Premier League season because you go in with so much optimism. And you work hard pre-pre-season basically. So you work hard yourself before you even go back to pre-season, knowing obviously you're going to play in the Premier League And again, for one reason or another, it didn't materialise. But then, after when Nigel Cuff came in, I would say that that was probably the most enjoyable time um, when Nigel was the manager for me. And actually, I did enjoy my time um, at the club, um, probably after when Nigel was the manager. Prior to that, I see probably highs and lows, but then I see I did enjoy it and I enjoyed being at the club, enjoyed playing at the club just because you were enjoying your football. Was it your decision to leave? Um, no, I think come that time. I say I'd been there three and a half years. Um, I think. Sorry, my pod there. Um, I think it was just looking to probably rejuvenate the squad, and I think the fact I'd been there, you were getting older. Was what thirty one, thirty two at that time as well. So I think it was. I would. Have, I would have probably stayed on, but yeah, I you know, think to come sort of a compromise in regards to obviously the salary we we're on whatever else it was they did offer a lot of deal but it was a hell of a lot less than what i was on um, and i had to think obviously family wise and everything else um kids were getting older and you know, i think could you get a bit more security of it, it was only like a year's deal um, and i thought well we need to try and try and try and get a two or three year deal just to try and prolong your career um, somewhere else, so no, it was. But see, there was no animosity to that. Understood, mm-hmm. obviously, the decision of what he wanted to do. So yeah, honestly I've got nothing but respect and admiration for like, Nigel as, as a person and, and obviously as a manager.
0: Just finally, I always ask this at the end, and uh, some of the answers to this always fascinate me because um, they're always different. But have you got any regrets acro- across your career? Any regrets at all?
1: Uh, nah, none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No, because. To come from where you're coming from, in um, Glasgow as a young boy to go and try and be a, a professional footballer, then to go and achieve, it again to play for your national team, to get to play in the Premier League. Obviously, you'd like to play in the Premier League for a lot longer. You'd like to obviously have a lot more caps. But that's natural. That's not regrets. So in terms, of obviously, regrets for anything, no. Obviously, have Achieve probably more than I ever thought you would kind of achieve uh, when you, you're a young kid. Managed even to go and play what, when did I retire? 36, 37. So it's basically over 21 years or so as a professional footballer. So I don't think you can look back and kind of have any regrets from there, really.
0: Well, thank you for for joining us. I've kept you long enough now. I just want to say thank you. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and you gave us some brilliant memories in the during some some of the rubbish times, it was uh, some brilliant memories. Yeah. So, yeah. so thank you very much, and uh, the promotion and everything. Uh, you're still part of the last team that actually got us up there, so a legend. No, I know,
1: I know, and that's that, that's one of the that's one of the positive things that you actually look at is that no matter what anybody says, you see you up, you've been straight back down. Whatever else they say, the amount of money and investment and different things that's went into the club since 2007 has been phenomenal but we've still managed to get back to the Premier League so I will take that as a positive.
0: <laughs> it's it's normally a Billy Davis quote that is, I'm still the last manager to get you up.
1: Yeah, there you I go. Know. I know, not exactly. So.
0: Brilliant, thank you very much Guy, I really, really appreciate it.
1: No, thanks mate, thanks for having me on, appreciate thank
0: it. Thank you, take care. Thank you,
1: bye bye.